Thank God for lighthearted bumper intros to give you a second to regain your composure after such an incredibly powerful video. So we're going to be talking about patience today, if you haven't already figured that out. And I wonder how many of us sitting in this room today have uh, just watched this video and you're having a little bit of PTSD right now from all the different times that your child has asked you the same question over and over and over and over again. Uh, what an incredibly powerful video to just show you the capacity of love uh, that a parent can have for a child. Um, and how cool is it that just, you know, years and years later, he had this journal that he could refer back to to be able to remind his son what patience and compassion uh, looks like. But patience is a hard thing, man. If I'm being honest, patience is one of the things, well, I'm not going to say one of the things. Patience is the thing that I struggle with the most, period. I have anger issues, you could say. That would be a way of putting it. I'm not afraid to get up here and admit it. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with, <laughs> and my name is Alex. Yeah. So, Anger's tough, man. Patience is tough. I watch these videos and I think, man, that, I, I can understand why he would have gotten frustrated in that moment. I have major road rage. That's a uh, patience issue for me. I don't understand why people think that going the speed limit is fast enough. I feel like you just need to just maybe go a little bit faster. Uh, you know, get out of my way. I have pace issues. If I, I like to get things done. I don't like to linger. I don't like to, to sit back and wait for things or take time to get things. I like to get it done and get it out of the way. I move at a very quick pace. Patience is not easy for me. I also am a father of two kids. I have one who's almost 11 and one who is 15 months old. And I have learned that patience looks way different for all stages of life. And I am just as bad at one of them as I am at the rest of them. And it's funny how when I was preparing for this message, as we close out this series today, what an incredible series it's been, by the way, and hopefully you've gained something in this. One of the great things about a series like this is that this applies not only to just if you're a parent, but any relationship uh, where there's love involved. And so a spouse or a parent, uh, even this video shows how, you know, you're showing the same kind of patience uh, that they show. We, we hear this thought somewhat often. Uh, maybe you have said this. You've looked at your kid and you say, I hope that your kids treat you one day the way you treat me. Anybody ever said that before? Feel humility. You ever said it before? It's fine. You're lying. It's all right. <laughs> but what if we flipped it a little bit and what we said instead was, I hope that one day you treat me, your kids, I hope that one day my kids treat me the way that I treated them. And I wonder how many times we sit and we think about where we could have been more compassionate and more grace-filled and had more patience with our spouse or with our kids or with our parents. And that's what we want to talk about today is how to, incre how to increase our capacity uh, for love, increase our capacity for patience. See, here's the thing about kids. Kids bring out the absolute worst in us. Like, I really didn't know how bad of a person I could be until I had kids, right? Getting married is one thing. You learn things about yourself. You learn that, you know, we're all born selfish. It's just the way that our mentality is, right? You look at it in your kids. When your 15-month-old is, is screaming for everything that everyone else has, it's be mine, mine, gimme, gimme, gimme. We're born with this selfish mentality, and kids can be an interruption, if I'm being honest, sometimes kids are an interruption. You have to learn how to move at their pace. You have to learn how to slow down. You have to learn to move at that. And that's, not, that's because of our selfish mentality. We want to get things done. We want to get it at our pace. We don't want to wait for anybody else. So that's one of the things that it brings out of us. It also brings out a lot of fear. For me personally, anger and fear go hand in hand. I do this really weird thing where whenever somebody in my family gets hurt, I get angry about it. It's ridiculous. 
Like my kid, he'll be riding down the street on his bicycle, he'll fall off, roll on the ground, be bleeding from the leg, he'll come running home, Dad, and, and my first instinct is to get angry. Why? Because I couldn't control the situation. There was nothing that I could do to protect him, there was nothing I could do to make it better in the moment, and so my immediate response to that has always been anger when it comes to, or, or fear when it comes to my anger and my impatience. It brings out our insecurities as human beings, kids do. You ever lay awake at night and think, I am an awful parent? <laughs> Every single night. I lay there and I think about how I could have done things differently, how I could have approached things differently. You ever lay in bed, maybe if you don't have kids, you ever lay in bed at night and think, I'm an awful spouse. I should not have gotten worked up like that. I should have been more compassionate. I should have been there when she needed me or he needed me. It brings out our insecurities. Kids can bring out our insecurities. Kids bring out our anger, our frustration, because we have a slow fuse, right? A lot of us have a slow, most of us have a slow fuse. Just some of it, I guess, maybe burns faster. I don't really know how all that works. I don't understand y'all people who can't get angry. That's, that's weird. I, that's weird to me. Like, I, I'd be in the car with somebody, and they're driving, and I'm in the passenger seat, and the person in front of them is going, like, 20 miles an hour under, and we're just having a conversation. I'm like, you gonna, are you going to handle this, or are we just going to, like, I can't, I can't focus in those moments. It's super, super difficult, right? It brings out our anger, and then what happens when that fuse runs out? It brings out the ugliness that we have as human beings, and it can get ugly. I'm sure that everyone in this room can think about a moment right now. You're already thinking about it when things got ugly, and you lost control, and you lost the ability to be able to, uh, to, be able to speak in, in that moment in an effective way, and you just let it go. The thing is, is that all of this ties into our sinful nature as human beings. It's in our nature to be this way. It's in our nature to be selfish. It's in our nature to be impatient. It was interesting when we started doing this series, The Struggle is Real, when Pastor Steve and I were brainstorming uh, the bumper video, the one with all the kids doing the crazy stuff, the, the kid firing the bottle rockets at the people. That's the funniest thinking thing. That's, I'm not even mad about that. Like, that's, that's, that's funny. But our initial idea with this series was not to use kids, but to use animals. Y'all ever seen the video? Uh, there's a video where a mama bear has got like three cubs, and she's trying to get them across a highway, across a main road, right? And she gets one by the, what do you call that back here? The scruff. She grabs one, and she carries it across, right? And she leaves it there, and she comes back across and gets the other one. And while she does, the other one's running back across again, and she's trying to get all three of them across the road at the same time. There's a lot of videos like that that are really funny, and we were like, wouldn't it be funny if we compared the struggle is real to, you know, animals trying to control and tame their young? But then we learned something something really interesting about animals is that they're really harsh on their young. I started realizing that I had never watched these videos until the end. What's really funny is, is that the mom that was trying to get the monkey, the, the baby monkey who was driving him insane and she keeps batting him away, at one point she just goes, boom, and just, and this happened over and over again. I went to Steve, I said, hey man, I don't think we can use these. We might want to show some kids instead. Because <laughs> animals are quite harsh on their young, and we can be quite harsh on our young. And the struggle is real. The struggle is real. <laughs> See, the call to be patient, this idea of patience, what we're going to talk about, the call to be patient is, is all over the place in the Bible. It is, it is littered through the Bible. And, it, and I wonder if it could be that uh, one of the reasons why God created the relationship of a parent and a child is to grow our love, 
right, our capacity for love expressed through patience. Because as a parent, as a spouse, as a, it, it, you learn every day that your capacity has to increase for your patience and your love to grow. You have to grow in the capacity for that as well. And I wonder if one of the reasons why God created the relationship between parent and child is because he wanted us to be able to increase our capacity for the express love through patience. Uh, for Jesus, obviously, uh, he wrote about this. It came naturally to him. It was something that he believed in. And when he rewrote the law of love, and you see this in John chapter 13, he wrote this. It says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's speaking to his disciples. He's telling his disciples how to love. Why? Because they didn't know. It wasn't in their nature. You know, you ever look at your kid and you go, I love you. I really don't like you right now. Like, that's, that's a, maybe I don't say that out loud. You don't say that out loud. This is what I tell my wife after they leave the room. I love my kid, but I don't really like. They didn't have that capacity for it. And so Jesus is teaching them about this new covenant, about this law of love. And then later on, we see Paul in Scripture that needed to break it down, right? It was time. We needed to, we needed to break that. We can't just say love one another. We've got to understand, what is that agape form of love? What does that actually mean? And so we see him break this, this piece of scripture down in 1 Corinthians. Everyone knows this passage. Love is patient. It's very interesting to me that an entire list, if you've ever been at a wedding, this is the part of the wedding where you go, we've heard it. <laughs> yeah, love is. I get it. Love is. But there are refreshments waiting for us. It's time to go. There's a long passage of scripture here that talks about all the things that love is. But isn't it interesting that the first thing that Paul says is love is patient. It's the very first word that he uses, is that love is patience. See, unlike parenting, patience is all over the Bible. Parenting, you, it's hard to find much of anything written in, in Scripture about parenting. There's a few littered here and there. Most of it is about how you're not supposed to exasperate your, your kids and you know, work them up and get them all worked up and stuff. But there's not a lot there, but there is a whole lot about patience. But what we're going to talk about today is how that love that we have for each other, that love, that, that agape, that Jesus form of love, helps us to grow in our patience uh, for one another. Uh, a couple of the ways that we see this throughout scriptures with patience, uh, a few highlights here. Proverbs 15, verses 8 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Uh, of course, if you look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit, if you were here for that whole series we did last year, the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you didn't have that song stuck in your head, you do now. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Patience. Patience is written in the fruits of the Spirit. Ephesians 4, uh, 2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. I love that. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And so I'm going to put it in one quick way that you can remember it. Is that love moves at the other person's pace. And that's extremely hard for us to get down extremely, extremely hard. Love moves at the other person's pace. Now, you could be sitting here this morning, you could be thinking to yourself, Alex, I show love and patience and grace all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have an issue with that. Yesterday, I was at McDonald's, and yeah, when they told me to move forward because they didn't have my fries made, which happens every time I go to McDonald's, I showed patience. When that joker slammed on brakes in front of me and I wanted to ram into his back and get him off the road, I showed patience in that. When my boss came in and told me that if I didn't have this project done or maybe I did a really bad job on the project and I could have blown up at him, I showed patience there. Okay, that's fine, but that's not really patience. 
That's not really patient because that's somewhere between practical efficiency and respect for others, right? So we deal with these strangers. It's, it's funny how, inter, how easy it is for us to show patience and show compassion and show, that informa- or show things like that to people and strangers that we do not know. But the minute that we step foot inside of our home, that changes. The kind of patience, the one that we're talking about between spouse, kids, parents, that we're talking about is patience that is deeply rooted in love. The same kind of love that Jesus talked about, the same kind of love that Paul talked about, the agape form of love. I know for me personally, when I come home after a long day of work, I have nothing left to give. I don't have any patience left to give. I was already patient with the people that didn't know how to drive on the way home. I was already patient with the lady at the cash register that could not find the one button that was right there in front of her face. I don't have any more to give. And so when I walk in the house and the house is destroyed from a whole day of kids running around, or perhaps I sit down to watch TV, where's the TV remote? Why can the TV remote never be where it's supposed to be? That doesn't make any sense to me. When I get done watching TV, I take the remote and I put it on the coffee table. When I come home from work and the TV remote's not on the coffee table, that doesn't make sense to me, especially when I find it in the bathroom. It's never where it's supposed to be. It's crazy to me. And so there, that gets left off. I've got nothing left to give. And then all of a sudden, I'm stretched, right? And so I walk in the house, and my patience has already run out. I don't have any left to give. And that's so unfair to my family. It's so incredibly unfair to my family. But one of the things I'm learning through life is that patience looks much different the older the child gets. It's interesting how our our capacity for patience has to increase as the child grows. So we start with this baby phase, this infant phase, right? And there's a little bit more grace with an infant. There's a little bit more grace with a baby because they can't take care of themselves, right? They're crying, yeah, that's the worst, and you sit there and you try to have conversations and you can't get anything out and you just and your head's rattling and all you hear is the crying. I'm at the point right now, y'all, where I can't watch a TV show. Uh, I'm one of those weird people that, watch, that turns the TV on while I sleep for white noise. Uh, I, I like The Office. Everybody knows I, I, I like The Office. There's this one particular episode of The Office that once every couple of months comes back through cycle where she's delivering in the, in the room and, and, and the whole episode's just babies crying, right? And I will wake up like stressed out of my mind from this, right? So, but we're our capacity is a little bit larger in that moment because they can't take care of themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. We have to do that for them. And so you've learned, you start right there in that process. You're like, yeah, I got this. My, my, my capacity for patience is, is spot on. And then comes the toddler phase, which we're in right now, which I'm trying to figure out why this was so much easier 10 years ago. What is it about toddlers and danger? Danger. It doesn't matter. I could, I could just, what is it? We got something up here. Here we go. This little footstool right here. This footstool could just be sitting right here on the ground like that with, I didn't break it. Sorry, Ross. It's, oh gosh, I hope I didn't break that. Anyways, she will walk up to that. She will stand on top of it and she will just leap, just leap, just jump. I don't understand it. It does not make any sense to me. She could have an entire room full of toys, hundreds of toys laying around. She's going to find the thumbtack that's like embedded into the carpet and she's going to rip that joker out and put it in her forehead. And it doesn't make any sense to me as to why she's doing these things. Danger, always danger. And so as a parent of a toddler, you don't sit down. I've learned that. There's no sitting down. You're always standing up because you're always trying to make sure they don't kill themselves. That's my job on this earth is to make sure that you don't kill yourself. And then comes the preteen phase, which I'm also in. And here's what I've learned about preteens. They don't live in the world we live in. They are not here on this earth with us, period. They're not. I don't know where they're at. 
There's a passage of scripture I find incredibly fascinating. There's not a whole lot of scripture written about Jesus when he was young, uh, but there is one particular passage of scripture. Jesus was around 11, 12 years old, I believe, and uh, Mary and Joseph uh, would go to Jerusalem every year for Passover, and so they went to Jerusalem, Jesus was with them, and they're on their way back, they're traveling back from Jerusalem, and at some point in the travels back, they realize Jesus is not here. How you lose the Messiah doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever, but he's not there, he's not there, right? And so they travel back to Jerusalem, and they find him in the temple, and he's just sitting there, and he's, he's absorbing, he's learning, and he's, and he's questioning, and he's teaching, and he's doing all these, he's in the temple, right? And so Mary comes running in, and she's like, what is wrong with you? We were so stressed out, we were so worried, why would you do this to us? And he responds, this is so crazy, he goes, why were you stressed out? Did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Y'all ever had a 12-year-old talk to you like that? What do you mean, what am I doing, Dad? I'm handling my business. Son, you don't got no business. You're 12. Uh, most of the scriptures translated this into, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? I like that one better, though. Did you not know I'd be about my father's business? But then the, le- the next verse, the follow-up to that is very interesting. It says, Mary and Joseph did not understand what Jesus was talking about. Right? And so every time I sit there and my 10-year-old sits there and he tells me all about his Fortnite world, right, and how that's where he's been. I've been in my Fortnite world. Dad, did you not know that I would be about my Fortnite business? And I look back at him and I go, I don't know what you're saying. I don't understand it. But here's what's interesting, right? So Jesus was the Messiah. Of course he would be at his father's house. It's the world that he lived in. It was his world. Jesus' world was his father's house. Mary and Joseph did not see the world the same as Jesus saw the world. And I wonder how many of us sit in frustration with our younger kids because we don't see the world the same way that they do. And then you move to the teenager phase where they know everything, everything. And while I may not have a teenager in my life right now, I was a youth pastor for a long time. Yeah, they they think they know everything. Yep. And it's interesting, the older that I get, I still try to, get involved with the youth ministry because I love an area of, uh, it's really big on my heart, my wife's heart, and we volunteer. It's funny because now we, we used to be like influential, like kids would look to us and be like, we were like the cool guys, right? And then I'm like closer to 40 now than I was before, and all of a sudden I'm like, they don't want anything to do with me, and like I'm the weird, like, like fun, I'm the fun police, man. When did this happen? I don't even understand it. And I'm trying to like, I don't understand this world, I don't understand what they're talking about, and I don't know anything because teenagers know absolutely everything. Right? And so we say all this stuff, we look at all these different age ranges and how our capacity for patience has to increase and it changes throughout the life of our kids, um, but it's, it, it's still hard to sit back and think, well, what, what should I do? What do I do about this? What do I do about this lack of patience, this lack of, uh, of grace? Like, how do I fix this? I ask myself that every day because I'm an impatient person. I'm an angry person sometimes, and I, I don't know what to do to fix that. And so what I love about the book of James is the book of James is a practical steps guide to Christianity. It breaks it down certain ways. You can look through it. You can read about it. You can read it. It's just a practical foundation uh, for Christianity. And so in James chapter 1, verses 19, it says this. It says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Right? We've heard this before. Some of you guys heard this before. And so what I want to do is I want to take these three things, and I want to apply them to three quick tips, three quick things that you can put in your life today 
that will hopefully help you to be able to increase your capacity for love, your capacity for patience, all of these things. The first thing, being quick to listen. I'm going to categorize, uh, categorize it like this, okay? Step one, cool down. We live in an instant gratification world right now. We can have everything at our fingertips. When we get word that our kid has messed up, we can immediately send them a text message telling them about how they've messed up and what they should have done differently. And how many times, let's go back to the insecurity piece we talked about a minute ago, how many times has your insecurities kicked in at night and you thought, I wish I would have handled that differently? And I wonder how many times we could have just taken a few moments to just cool down. See, immediacy and correction is so available to us. When it happens in the moment, we just want to explode because it's in our hearts at that moment. And if we don't get out what we need to say right now, we might forget about it. And we end up saying words that we don't need to say, things we don't need to say in ways that we shouldn't say it. We're looking for that instant gratification of correction. And it just, it, it never comes across the way that it's supposed to. And you're always going to find yourself later that night laying in bed wishing, I would have just thought about this a little bit more. So in our effort to be quick to listen, we're going to cool down. There's no such thing as quick to listen. Quick to listen means you're going to just stop for a minute and listen, okay? It's not like a quick to listen and then it's over with. The problem with the society that we're living in right now is that everybody's yelling. Everybody wants their verse heard, voice heard, and nobody's listening to anything. And if we would just take a moment to just breathe, reflect, think through it, cool down, how much better could our response be after that? So that's step one. Step two, on the idea of being slow to speak, okay? Step two is limit your words. Limit your words. If you're like me, I like to present discipline in the form of a gigantic big speech. <laughs> you ever do that? You ever sit down with your kids and you, you're like, oh, I got some learning I'm going to do for you. You about to get some knowledge up in your head right now. You listen to me. And then 30 minutes later, you have just poured your heart out in something that could have been recorded and put out there for parents to read. This is like the most insightful thing I've ever said. And your kids looking back at you going, that second word you said, I don't have a clue what that means. And that's the only thing I've thought about the whole time. You vent. I vent. I just let it go. I want to say everything that it's in my, and, and it's, in, it's fresh, right? I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm in that moment and all these things that are, that are upsetting me and getting me worked up. I want to tell you about them. I want to give you this huge speech right now about all the things that you're doing wrong and all the things that you need to be doing better and what life lets. I'm telling my kids about mistakes he's making at 10 years old and they're going to have effect on you when you're 50. He's like, that doesn't mean anything to me. A 10-year-old doesn't know what being 50 means. Those effects are not working for him. And so here's the thing about yelling and venting and, 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 and having big speeches and venting. You know the only person that benefits from that? The parent. You're the only one benefiting in that. I'm the only one benefiting in that. In that moment, I feel an emotional release. I feel an emotional release, and I'm able to just let go. I said everything I needed to say, and man, I feel so much better. But your kid feels awful feels awful. Limit your words. Be slow to speak. Know what you're going to say beforehand and present it in a way where they can identify with it. Present it in a way where they understand what it is you're saying. My wife calls me out for this all the time. You know, she'll listen in the other room as I give a big speech and then she'll come in and she goes, you said about 18 words. Ain't no way he knows. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I did. Limit your words. And the last is this on the concept of being slow to become angry. For me, when I'm angry with my child, in that moment, and this is, I'm, I'm being fully transparent with you guys, a lot of times, I don't want to be around them. 
I don't want to be around them. I have, I, you have worked me up. I am all worked up. I ain't got nothing nice to say to you, so I'm just going to, I'm going to distance myself. I, don't, I, li- I love you, but right now I, need to, I just need some space for a minute, right, because I'm all worked up. What I loved about that video that we watched at the beginning about the sparrows is did you catch the part in the notebook where he said, in the moment when you asked me all 21 times, every single time I put my arm around you and I comforted you and I told you that it was a sparrow. And I wonder how many times I should draw close to my child. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I'm worked up. Yes, I don't want to be around you right now. But draw close. Put your arm around them. Let them know that you are for them. Let them know that you have their back. That while in this moment right now, I might be upset and we might have some things that we need to work out and there might be some consequences and some discipline involved in all of this, I love you, I've got your back, and I'm here for you. How much, how much confidence does that build inside of your child to know that in that moment where you're angry, you didn't retreat, you didn't run away, you put your arm around them and you drew close. So in being slow to become angry, that's how, you, that's how you accomplish that. And my anger, my anger tells me I want to remove myself from this situation, but if I'm slow to become angry, I can draw close to my child and be there to know, let him know that no matter what happens, I'm here for you, I have your back, and I'm going to show you compassion through each one of your mistakes, each one of them. Love is patient. Love is not pushy. Love doesn't provoke. Love doesn't drive a wedge in between relationships. Love doesn't have an ego to dictate the place or the pace of the, of the relationship. Love adjusts its pace to that person. And that's hard to do. All right, so I've got a 15-month-old, right? And so my wife and I right now are kind of on this little adventure. We started this little side business that we're working on. And we really want to, like, we're, like I want to pound the ground. And I want to get this thing going. I've got all these ideas of what I want to be doing. And we're learning that we can only move at a specific pace because of our responsibilities as parents, Right? If you've ever, if you've ever uh, gone to like an amusement park, right, with, with, with your kids, and the first thing that you want to do when you get to an amusement park, right, is what? You want to run to the, to the, whatever the biggest ride there is. You want to get to it quick so that you're the first one in line, right? You ever done that while doing this number right here? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And, you, and, and they're just, just ah, having a great old time, right? But you're moving at their pace. And I know it can be frustrating sometimes, but I remind myself, this is why I, I think God is constantly teaching me stuff, is that I have to learn how to move at the pace of other people. That's what love is. That's what love does, is it shows patience in those moments. And so you're going to have people in your life that, you, that are not going to move at the same pace as you. And that's okay. That's okay because love, the kind of love that we're talking about, the kind of love that Jesus showed us, moves at the pace of the other person. So who in your life right now, some of the things that you can think about as we're, as we're, as we're getting ready to, to kind of move towards wrapping up here, who in your life feels rushed when they're around you? Who feels unnecessary pressure when you walk in the room? I had a moment last week where I came home from work and um, my son was supposed to do his chores during the day. And he didn't do them, and it is what it is. And, and so I, I open the door, I walk in, and he jumps off the couch and immediately starts running and putting things in place and doing his chores. I'm doing it, Dad, I'm doing it, Dad, I'm doing it, Dad. And my heart broke. You want to know why my heart broke? Because my son, I walked in the house, and my son felt unnecessary pressure when I walked in the room. He didn't feel love. He didn't feel compassion. He didn't feel patience. He didn't feel any of those things. He felt unnecessary pressure when I walked in the house because he knew he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He knew I was going to have something to say about it. And his first response when I walked in was, what have I not accomplished that I was supposed to accomplish? Who feels the unnecessary pressure when you walk in? 
Who are you driving away in an effort to bring out their best? We say this all the time to our kids. I just want what's best for you. Maybe what you're really saying is, I want for you what I think is best for you. And love is moving at a pace of other people. We have to adjust that. You know, when we think about this, when I was a kid, my, my dad would always be working on cars, and I wanted to learn how to help. I wanted to learn what he was doing, and so he would allow me to come be a part of this process of working on these cars, and I had the most important job in the world, y'all. I held the flashlight. <laughs> Years later, as a father, I understand why I was holding the flashlights, because that was the one thing I couldn't mess up. You know, I think about this all the time. My, my, my son, well, he, he's, you know, he's getting older and he wants to help. And I'll be out working on a project. We were building some, uh, some like raised bed garden planters in the backyard. And he wanted to come out and help. And I'm thinking to myself, I am never going to get this done. My gosh. I'm like, cool, hammer this nail. 20 minutes later, I've almost got it. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you can, we, we should have been done by now. But isn't it interesting that sometimes we can just let go? Remember the sparrow? Just let go. Move at love's pace. That job is going to be fine. That car will be worked on. That garden project in the backyard, it will be done. Sometimes we have to move at the pace of the ones that we love. Love is patient because God is patient. God is patient. We see this in Psalms 103, uh, verse 8. says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. I read that again. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. And so the question that I have this morning, that I ask myself every day, that I pray for every day of my life, is how can I show patience and love in the way that God shows me? How can I move at the pace of love the way that God moves at my pace? i got a video I want you to check out really fast as we get ready to close down. Frosting the cake. We're doing. 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 Frosting the cake. What are you doing? Frosting the cake. We're doing. Frosting the cake. What are you doing? I'm bugging you. Did y'all catch that last thing that she said? He said, what are you doing? She said, I'm bugging you. <laughs> First of all, there's a lot you can unpack from this video right here. A lot that you can bring out. I'll start with this. This man is the goat of patience when it comes, <laughs> when it comes to for his kids. My goodness, I was frustrated watching that video. I almost didn't show it because I thought it might trigger some people, and then I realized, no, I've just got major issues I've got to work out, right? Just the same thing over and over again. What are you doing? Frosting the cake. What are you doing? Frosting the cake. But I wonder sometimes if this is how God feels with us. For one way of looking at it is that we consistently are looking at God going, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And he says, I'm in control. God, what are you doing? I'm in control. God, what are you doing? I'm in control. God, what are you doing? I'm in control. And I thought about that this week. Because God moves at a pace of love. 
God moves at my pace. God's love and his patience and his compassion for me is on pace with me. And it doesn't matter how many times I look back at him, I say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? He's going to say, I'm in control. I love you. And I'm in control. But how about we flip it for just a second? What if God was the one asking you, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? The little girl said, I'm bugging you. What if God was standing in front of you today and he was saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What would your response be? Would you join me as we pray today? God, we're just so thankful to be standing in your presence this morning. God, as we continuously search and seek for ways to be able to be more graceful, to be more compassionate, to show the love that you show to us every single day and the patience that you show to us every single day with our loved ones, our spouses, our parents, our, our kids. God, this is not something that we are going to get down overnight. It's going to be something that will always be a struggle in our life. And Father, I just pray that we have the ability to seek you in those battles to seek you in those moments. When we have that anger building up inside of us and our patience has run out, that we would take just a second to cool down, to guard our words, to draw close. God, continue to teach us what it means to love at others' pace. And we thank you for all that you're doing in our life. We thank you for this series. We thank you for the constant moments that you're teaching us Allow us to be open to you. Allow us to listen. And more importantly, God, in those moments when we're asking you, what are you doing? Just continuously reminding us, God, that you are in control. You are in control. We pray all this this morning in your name. Amen.